Hey gang, just wanted to get ahead of this episode and let you know that due to time displacement, this episode you're about to hear was actually recorded when Amber first got her new microphone, as opposed to the Star Trek trilogy you've been listening to, where Amber's been used to her microphone, so there's a few just hiccups, her mic goes out once or twice during this episode, there are a few clicks, you know, working out the glitches, just wanted to give you a heads up in case you're a new listener, maybe, not every episode is like this, we've fixed the problems moving forward. Thank you very much for your listen. Thank you very much for your time. Now on with the sewed. Okay, so Amber, we're both from the Midwest. We've been to a county fair. We know 4-H'ers. You're not a 4-H'er, and I don't think you have that many 4-H friends. So... Why do you love it when horse girls so much? Um, because I've worked with kids, and I like working with kids. And I, I think of, I, I mean, I know there are horse girl adults. I know it does happen, but I'm not as invested in horse girl adults. Um, I just really like when kids are really into a thing, and horse girls are like a kind of kid that's really into a thing that you can, like, easily communicate to to people with like a phrase there's no phrase for like the beyblade boys you know you know what i mean but you can just say horse girl and everybody knows what you mean by horse girl i don't know i like it when people i like it when kids are earnestly into things it's fun oh okay well that's a that's a really nice answer this is more than you thought it was gonna have wasn't it yeah i i, I thought you'd mostly be like ah oh, fuck you i didn't think the cold open would be an attack and then you had like a Oh, pleasant, wholesome little answer here, so... I have... I, I like kids. Yeah, shout out to kids. This episode is dedicated to kids. <laughs> a, a podcast famously not appropriate for children. <laughs> this is a shout out to all the children who are not supposed to be listening to our show. What are you doing? Your parents should pay attention to what you can, to the media you consume. I yell my pussy on this show constantly. Check out our merch store where we'll be selling kids. <laughs> Hashtag human trafficking. It will get you way more hits on TikTok than it should. What? Oh God, am I getting into this? Okay, so. There is a whole. Oh God, I'm really getting into this. There's a whole media ecosystem that is. Because human beings all have innate anxieties because we're all functionally animals. We are animals. And an adaptational habit was being afraid because our ancient ancestors had to deal with cave bears. Google that some fucking time. They were huge. And so that fear is never going to leave you. And if you can ascribe that fear that is innate to the human experience to like, a thing or a person you can make a lot of money and one of the ways one of the things that that fear can get ascribed to is the concept of human trafficking and we're never going to talk about what that actually looks like and that's a thing done by like intimate partners or a bunch of gay kids or in foreign countries but if you can make that like white suburban mom think that she is about to get human trafficked or her kids are you can make so much fucking money immediately this has nothing to do with the podcast amber what's the podcast 
This is Original Podcast Do Not Steal, a weekly show in which Devin and I each week take your uh, favorite intellectual properties, franchises, ideas, hopes, dreams, wishes, concepts, um, and we talk about it for a little while, and then we make an original character in that franchise. That's the show. That's what we do here. Uh, and this week we are talking about But I'm a Cheerleader, which is not a franchise strictly. It's a single movie, but let's be honest, the cultural legacy of But I'm a Cheerleader has stretched so far that it, it sort of is a franchise by itself. Is it? Because it's one of the things where, like, there's a Mean Girls musical, there's a Heathers musical, there's a bunch of sort of in that era of that note, the musical. And man, doesn't But I'm a Cheerleader feel like it should have a musical or a or a series I've like there's a Heather series that so sucks. Right. But yeah, there should be a but I'm a cheerleader like I it's I watched that, that movie and I'm like, not. man, this was a show. <laughs> there there should be more but I'm a cheerleader just stuff. It should be more than just the one movie. I'm really curious to find out why you picked this episode and what you have to say about it because I I'm a bad lesbian, and I just frankly have so little to say about But I'm a Cheerleader. Like, I saw it, and, and I thought it was mostly good, and then I have almost not thought about it at all since then. Well, the why of I picked it was I was just like, I feel like we could get a good episode out of it, and that's about as far as the thought went. But I guess now it's my turn to just talk about all of the thoughts and things I have to say. So... Want to start? Let's talk about artifice. Let's talk about the set design because when this movie was released, it was not widely understood, and it was not, and it was critically panned in a lot of places. The Siskel and Ebert review of this movie is fucking scathing. Uh, but one of the things that was panned and not really understood was the the bright color designs and the design of the set. Those fucking vibrant almost violently pinks and those unnatural blues, they are artifice. They are fake. And that is text. What the movie is telling you is that these rigid and strict gender norms are fake. They are a thing that was made up and imposed upon you. And when you think about it or look at it for what it truly is, it's fucking dumb and obnoxious. That's the first place I wanted to talk about. But the second one that I initially wanted to open this one with, because I kind of forgot all, because a little behind the scenes, thought Reggie was going to be here, thought we were going to be talking about Young Avengers. Now we're talking about But I'm a Cheerleader. And the place I do want to start, I have this thing where there's an episode of Podcast Like It's 1999, where a co-host, can't remember his name, but he goes on this like long diatribe about how like, this movie doesn't even have a genre, man. You can't place it in a box, and that's part of the text, because like you can't place people in a box, and we don't need labels. And that might be true for like people, but that is emphatically wrong for this movie. It's a comedy. It's high-key a romantic comedy. It's just meaningful. It just has things to say, and it made you feel something, and we as a society do not like to ascribe meaning to comedies. Check out the episode we did on Sopranos so for more messy. about that. But yeah, this movie... <laughs> this movie's fucking hilarious. It's so clearly a comedy. Uh, it's fun. It's great. It's gay. I got a few other things to say, but I feel like I'm talking for a while. Do you have anything well, I before? Do I just keep that, going. Uh, but I'm a Cheerleader um, is directed by Jamie Babbitt, 
Um, and and Jamie Babbitt um, is uh, she's a she's a she's a director, producer, screenwriter. She does mostly a bunch of uh, television stuff, but notice notably she's also married to Carrie Dornetto, um, another uh, television screenwriter. She's a screenwriter mostly, um, and she has written for television series such as, for example, South Park. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> I wanted to ease a little bit of the burden job. off of you this week. You know, I know you had a weird week. I want to I wanna make it easy for you. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, this director might come back for when we do the How I Do a Gem in the Holograms movie episode, if that tells you anything about the tone <laughs> of my Gem in the Holograms movie I've been That's working on this whole time. But yeah, Amber, could you real quick... Uh, since I believe you have the Wikipedia page open, could you just like read out the summary in case people have not seen But I'm a Cheerleader? Because we're eight minutes in and we haven't described like the base of what I'm not But I'm a Cheerleader is. I mean, the basic gist of But I'm a Cheerleader is that it is a 1999, um, yeah, teen rom com about lesbians. It's about like this woman, this, this girl who um, you may be shocked and horrified to learn is a cheerleader. Um, who begins to realize that she's gay and her parents send her to conversion camp, which is like a horrifying thing to happen, but like the comic observation of the movie broadly is, I mean, you know, of many comic observations, but it has it is often by many people, including this film, been observed that conversion camp, um, you're essentially taking like a large group of gay kids and then you know putting them all in a room together like <laughs> yeah the 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 south park joke where butters goes to gay conversion <laughs> and and so it ends up being like this group of women um this of girls all like in theory trying to uh like learn how to do uh, gender roles and learn how to fit their gender roles by doing feminine traditionally feminine things um, but of course, they all run around um, escaping to the nearby bar, um, having a lot of complicated feelings about gender, having a lot of different feelings about gender, gender depending on which character you're following and what their take on it is, um, having sex, having drama, um, having feelings, and um, ultimately coming to terms with being gay. Yeah, it's a big queer cinema, hashtag trademark TMCR. It's like one of the movies that people point to when they say the word camp. I I don't like I don't know what camp is, but camp is I'm a cheerleader. <laughs> it's uh it's camp is when but I'm a cheerleader or <laughs> when Speed Racer is on screen. That is when camp happens. The it's funny the Wikipedia article says the film was not well received by contemporary critics of the time who compared it unfavorably to the films of John Waters, which is such a funny sentence because like Every every gay person I know today loves John Waters. Everybody loves Pink Flamingo. Filth is my politics. Yeah, that's just yeah. You know, sometimes you just say shit, and I'm just like, yeah, that's true. Just all the all the words you said, accurate. So now that we've laid out what Bud I'm a cheerleader is, also there's a bunch of a bunch of gay boys all frolicking, and one of them is Dante Basco. Of Avatar fame and of Hook fame, motherfucking Rufio's here. <laughs> that was a fun find for me. But 
I want to talk about diversity because this movie came out in a time where most of the like lesbian films to break through and like gain mainstream notoriety all came from the butch perspective and this one comes from a high key femme perspective um but when i'm talking about diversity it's not just that they're all gay people but like dante basco is here and there's a gay mexican kid is here and there's a gay australian woman and there's a jewish kid we're representing not just like a wide broth of uh, sexuality and gender understanding, but just like different ethnic backgrounds. And I think that's super cool and good and gives people a lot of opportunities to see themselves. But now I also want to talk about in a ways that I think the diversity in this movie fails. Because for me personally, uh, a lot of my coming to terms with my own queer identity had to do with Peacemaker, which is fucking embarrassing to say. But it comes from the fact that John Cena as Peacemaker is like a hyper macho dude, bro who's talking about his muscular groups and says things like, you're only as strong as your weakest muscle group. And I'm like, that's accurate. He right. But then he fucky sucky a dude. And I was like, wait, I can do both. I can be gay and go gym. Uh, (laughs) And so with this movie, all of the gay men, they all kind of come in the variety of flaming, which is true and accurate. I know a lot of flaming gay men. Uh, And I'm a bisexual, and I am not flaming. I'm a pretty basic average dude. I don't think this movie would have helped me come to terms with myself in the way I would have needed. And, I don't know, that's a little selfish of a thing, but I also think uh, just being queer has a wide spectrum, and not every gay man is flaming. And I think that this movie can both rise and fall in its diversity quota, and that's just a lot of words thoughts it's like it's like complicated because like obviously not every kind of gay person is or can be or should be represented in this film right uh, this yeah. the film is coming from a camp perspective so it, it makes sense that it is including a lot of like very flamboyant gay men because that's like the kind of uh that's it's the kind of gay man who it makes sense to appear in this movie and it falls to other movies to represent other kinds of gay men it's just the problem is like this movie comes out in 1999 right and it's um like one of the only pieces of like positive queer genuine representation to be seen for like decades on either side of it like there's a real drought of it and so the movie suddenly has like this huge responsibility to do way more holistic and comprehensive representation that it really should have the responsibility to do you know what i mean um yeah i think it's it's funny that you say that um uh, it coming from a high femme perspective is breaking the mold of everything being about uh, uh butch lesbians because it's like sort of swung the other way nowadays right like the thing today is that every movie about lesbians is a historical drama about one blonde woman and one brunette woman um, and they're both, <laughs> and they're, they're like both skinny and white and, um, that's like, and both pretty femme. And that's like every lesbian movie these days. Um, which, you know, I mean, I, listen, I love Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Um, it's just, it's funny how the standards for what is like normal representation, what, what's subversive and what's expected changes over time uh how much is how much has changed in the last 24 years talked a lot about our feelings and relationship 
to the movie. We've given a brief plot summarize. I don't super know that I have an immediate idea for a character. I mean, obviously, we could just make another gay kid who shows up to the conversion therapy. We Oh, we also didn't talk about... Um, there is a local, like, gay sanctuary house? And it has one of my favorite scenes in the movie where when... I believe Natasha Leone, the main actress, when she gets kicked out of the conversion camp, she goes to the gay sanctuary and she just goes, teach me how to be a lesbian. How do I do it? And the the gay man just pauses and responds, well, there's no one way to do it, which I love. And I kind of wish the movie lived up to that a little more than it does. But like, yeah, there is no one blueprint for it. So we could also have a kid who lives in that house maybe another gay elder. We could have someone who works for the reform camp. Maybe a parent we don't see off screen to the uh, Aussie girl who shows up later in in yellow jackets. And I have very complicated feelings because that actress was the manic pixie dream girl of my youth. And in yellow jackets, she is a manic pixie dream woman and uh she's like <laughs> she's she's like fucking this younger artist dude and i'm like i could be younger artist man who <laughs> you have extramarital affair we'll do the yellow jackets episode one day i i'm sort of taken by the idea of like a like a a, a parent who is gay and is trying to send uh, like doesn't have any sense that they're gay, but is clearly gay and is trying to send their kid to conversion camp. Um, and, like, honestly, like, maybe the kid is even straight and the parent is clearly projecting something. <laughs> I think that would fit oh, really well. Oh, you fucking nailed it. That's funny. That fits. It's just like when fucking RuPaul shows up and he says in his very gay voice, just, I am a former gay. <laughs> Yeah, the the dad's just like, son, I know you're out there, and you you see those men running, running shirtless and sweaty on the beach, and you want to run with them, and you want to touch them, and he's like, no, dad, I I don't, I do not want to do, son, I know, you don't have to lie to me, son, I found, I, <laughs> I found the magazines, no, dad, I'm just, I'm kind of into fitness, um, I, I have a girlfriend, you've met her, no, son. You don't. It's it's safe. You don't have to lie to me. I like I like the idea that the, the dad like sticks around the camp too, right? Like the other parents don't stick around. There's not like parents hanging out there, but I like the idea that the dad is like continually visiting, and the camp leadership is like, you don't have to be here, you know. Like it actually works better if they isolate the kids, and the dad's like, no, no, no. Um, he left his uh lunch here. We serve lunch. He left his lunch. <laughs> He's very particular about his lunch, and the dad's just like sitting there through some of the like, uh, their their like heteronormativity classes, like listening intently. <laughs> you, 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 it's it's the it's the bit where RuPaul is like, and this is how you do, this is how you fix car, and the camera just pans over a little bit, and like you see the dad like under a tree, like fake fixing a car. <laughs> I have a question, and tell me if this, I don't know, I don't know if go to, goes too far is the right phrase, but, like, uh, 
the dad and mom are both very clearly white, but the kid is mixed, and you see, like, the <laughs> the mailman is, like, black <laughs> because the dad is very gay and didn't have sex with I don't think wife. we need to see the mailman for that joke to track. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think we can we can get it just by... It's just by the kid is mixed and the parents are both white. <laughs> It's just that scene from fucking Brooklyn Nine-Nine where the a gay sergeant's like, I know how to be straight. And he's like, yeah, now, son, there's nothing I love more than your mom's awesome breasts. <laughs> he's so real for that, actually. <laughs> there's nothing I like more than awesome breasts. This is going to be a short episode because uh, 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 I'm already like, yeah, that's the character. <laughs> Okay, I I think to to do a little more legwork than none because this it it's high it is high key a comedy but as we have stated many times in the podcast if comedy doesn't uh, believe in its own right. stakes and it's useless is there like an emotional arc to this guy do we have something other than a joke does he come to terms with himself at the end because this movie does end with the main character's parents like going to a LGBTQ center like a I don't remember what it was specifically, but it's like, I have a gay daughter, and I'm proud. Like, that's where they ended the movie. What about this guy? Where does he end this? I think... <laughs> I think that we have a beautiful coming out scene with his son, where he finally comes to terms with his friends, with his son's heterosexual identity. <laughs> I, I... I mean, in, in order to make that happen, I think that the the arc of that character, like, he definitely has to realize his own identity at some point in the movie, but, like, probably not at the end, right? The, the joke that, the joke for the first half of the movie is, oh, this parent is clearly gay and repressed and just sending his son to gay camp because he has a lot of feelings that he hasn't addressed in himself. The, like, you have the confrontation between the kid and the dad. The kid is like, no, dad, you're gay. I just caught you, like, looking at the other, like, making out with one of the dudes on staff or something like that. You know, something to that effect happens. I can't fucking believe that you sent me here because of your shit. And I think that the the reconciliation happens at the end, right? Where the son is like, dad, you sent me here because of your bullshit. Uh, you haven't even noticed what I want the entire time. And the end of the movie is the dad is like, what do you want? And the kid is like, I want to date women. And the dad is like, I accept you. <laughs> I want to crush Pee. That's what I want, dad. Not to like make a, a like put an OC in and the, our But I'm a Cheerleader episode and make them straight, but um, in fairness the OC that this episode is after is the gay one of the two of them. And he, does he show up in his shirt that just says my son is a breeder and I love him? <laughs> oh, I love Richard the closeted dad. Yeah, we'll shorten it up, something like that. This character's really funny. <laughs> yeah, that's a really, it's a good it's a really solid. It's a really good. It's a really good joke. 
<laughs> Shout out to us. Does that feel? Does that feel good? That because they're like, they're not the most depthful characters in what is high key a comedy, right? And this feels satisfying. Does this feel satisfying to you? It does. I want to know his name and his look. Thinking Richard because it's a little phallic of a name. You know, you shorten it's Richard. a little phallic. Yeah. 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 You know, you yeah. shorten it to Dick, um, which which he's not thinking about. He's not thinking about penises. He's not. No. So what's the look of a repressed gay man in the 90s? I've mostly been thinking Ron Stampler from Dungeons and Daddies, like, kind of bald at the top, mustache, glasses, a businessman, TM, suit, tie. Although Ron has a curse where he can't wear pants and he's constantly in boxers that say cool guy, I don't think Richard is in boxers that say cool guy. I was honestly picturing him in, like, khaki shorts and a polo yeah you know one of those what's uh what's the item what's uh check off sack of bullshit so so true this feels like the perfect episode to use one of our condoms right (laughs) you're so you know i saw training bra and i was like i feel like there's something there but oh so true bestie this is the perfect time for one of the condoms (laughs) We've got two condoms left. We gotta use one of them at some point. <laughs> we gotta use one of the condoms. Okay, well, my thought for unused condom is the dad's like, this is the condom my dad gave me when he said I would have sex. And I went out and had sex with a woman. And then the son's like, dad, that's unopened. And he's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, he doesn't understand what a condom is. I like the idea... You, like, okay, a plus one on that. We absolutely do that. And then we have a whole thing where we make it about sex ed and how this dad doesn't think that they should have it. He's like... <laughs> <laughs> He's like, what do you mean sex ed? What is there to teach about sex that's just going to teach them... That's just going to fill their head with inappropriate, lustful, homosexual thoughts. <laughs> We don't need to teach them about sex ed. There's nothing to teach. Because obviously the dude doesn't know how to put on a condom. Or that is the thing that you open. He just thinks it's like a memento that you carry, I guess. <laughs> oh, shit. God damn it. Is this motherfucker? Oh, not to shoot the shot, but is this motherfucker S tier? This is such a good joke. <laughs> it's teamwork on this character. <laughs> One fun he should, fact: he should run off with a man called Jack. <laughs> that's what I think. Uh, that's I ship it. We ship Richard and because <laughs> this. Because this whole episode has been an I ship <laughs> One fun fact apiece? One fun fact apiece. I think Richard is super performatively in love with his wife and brings it up all the time. Like he's got like a, a heart tattoo with her initials in it. Because that's what you're like supposed to do, you know? Oh, God. He, you know, he, he's just a man who loves his wife. He's a man right? who loves his wife. <laughs> loves his wife, so much. Um, 
my fun fact is that he and his wife have separate beds, and he's just like, yeah, well, I snore, and I want to make sure my beloved wife gets good sleep, so we sleep far away from each other. That's In funny. separate rooms sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so... This has been a good one, folks. <laughs> Stick around for next week. Quick and dirty cheerleader episode. <laughs> quick, quick, quick and dirty, but I'm a cheerleader episode. Just in and out with the I'm a cheerleader episode. <laughs> Just, you know, so to speak. Uh just like how dudes masturbate. Quick, dirty, and full of shame. Join us next week when we try talk about jamas what are we doing next week <laughs> what are we doing next week amber um uh, uh you know i'm thinking it over um and um it's one or two. Ooh, i get to choose, choose. One i'm or gonna two. go with two two oh two. you'll be excited about your choice then because that means that next week um, uh, Devin, it's, this is a long-awaited one for you and I. It's time for us to make a proto-men-O-C. Oh! Oh, this is, this is, I don't know what, I don't know what that's gonna look like, I but this either. is very exciting. I'm excited. I think this might be, it'll, it might be our first episode that's based on a, a musical, a band, as opposed, like, you know, we've done a lot of mediums, but I don't think we've ever done a band before, a band-O-C. Like within we the, are the truly, fiction of a band. We're truly never going to run out of ideas. We never are. We can, <laughs> we can do this forever. <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving. My name has been Amber Autumn, she, her. And I've been Prince Devin, he, him. Our theme music is by Kyle Alicia, whose work you can find at hollowrib.bandcamp.com. Thank you so much for listening. Please drop us a like, drop us a review, drop us a subscribe, whatever it is that you do on your particular channel. And be sure to head on through our merch store, um, where uh, we said that we would be selling children. Um, and that's because it's true. <laughs> it's true. It's true. true <laughs> Check out the merch store. True and accurate. We're selling kids, just like that fucking furniture store that was selling. But we kids. will be selling kids that have been human trafficked from random areas. Uh, we will, of course, be selling kids who we personally know who we personally trafficked, because that's the way it God works. God damn it! That is how this episode opened, isn't right. it? Jesus Christ! <laughs> how far we've all come. I just want to point out that in the last epi two episodes ago, you were like, the, the joke isn't funny if you don't know that we're gay. And then we made this super gay-ass <laughs> episode. We had to follow that up pretty quick. <laughs> oh, fucking thank you, love you. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>